Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. I'm Alexis Christophorus here with Yahoo Finance's Rick Newman and Ethan Wolfman to talk about health care and what comes next now that Congress has failed to repeal the Affordable Care Act. And gentlemen, we're going to be talking about two big things today. One is ways we can fix Obamacare and then uh, the, the broader discussion will be you know what's the path forward for for health care in this country and rick i know you're going to make an argument for universal health coverage it's time all right <laughs> it's time we started having uh figuring out how to get universal health coverage i want to begin though with with some of the fixes um if we're not going to repeal and replace ethan what are some of the things uh, congress could concentrate on ways to actually fix the aca well there's three major things that that are kind of causing problems here, and it's up to the Trump administration uh, to fix them. The ball is entirely in their court. The first big one is something that's really troubled insurance companies. They are not sure whether the subsidies under the Affordable Care Act that they've been receiving will continue to re- be received. And that's that's been the major factor cited in every exit from the marketplace uh, for insurers and something that's really contributed to rising premium costs. Uh, every single time this has happened, this is what they cite. And so that, that, that's a big one. And the, the, the next one um, is a really delicate one politically, which is the, enforce, uh, the enforcement of the mandate. The penalty for that isn't that high, and a lot of insurers really would like it to be much, much higher. Uh, so what is it now, $600? It's, it's around $600. And that's just, you know, that's enough that someone can say, you know what, I am not going to do this. I'm going to roll the dice and not have health care. And it's also that penalty is less expensive than having health care with a lot of these premium increases. So it's a kind of vicious cycle there. And in many countries that have a similar mandate style uh, version of their health care, that mandate really has a meaningful penalty. Uh, more than, say, $600 and kind of whips people into participating. And the last thing that, that really is uh, is causing some trouble is the outreach and getting people um, knowledgeable and understanding of what's going on. There's so much confusion in Obamacare. Not even everyone knows that Obamacare is the Affordable Care Act. Many states have their own names for these things. Uh, and that's something that uh, HHS and Tom Price and have not really been um, been good about because it's a program that they do not support. So, Rick, do you believe that Trump is indeed undermining the Affordable Care Act? Absolutely. Uh, uh, the number one thing that Ethan was talking about are those subsidies that are supposed to go to insurance companies. And that's what the law says. The law says uh, the administration, the government, the U.S. government is supposed to pay those subsidies um, but when you when you hold out the possibility that maybe those subsidies aren't going to be coming, um, the insurance companies have to assume. I mean, they have to lock in the premiums they're going to charge for 2018 within about a month or so. Uh, and in some states, they've already had to lock those in. So if you don't know if the, if that money will be coming, then you have to price the um, policies as if that money is not coming. And uh, estimates show that without those subsidies, premiums would go up by about 20%. So just to clarify, this is super confusing. Uh, This is different from the subsidies that individuals get that help them pay 
for the uh, premiums that when they buy insurance. This is a different subsidy that actually goes to the insurance companies. Uh, this has been by, described by some people as a bailout. Trump described this as a bailout for insurance companies. It's not a bailout for insurance companies. It's part of the deal. Uh, that is supposed to that is supposed to get insurance companies to lower the premiums they charge to some lower income people, and then they get compensated that uh, back by the government. So if the government doesn't do that, premiums are going to go up for that group of people by about twenty percent. So um, you can run the exchanges that way, you can run the program that way, but obviously when premiums get more expensive. Uh, there will be fewer people who can afford them and fewer people insured. And Ethan, right now, if, if you had to break this down into winners and losers, uh, where do the insurance companies, the providers, and, and the customers uh, fall into those categories? The insurance companies have largely done well. Uh, if you look at the insurance company uh, stocks in the market, they've been doing great. And that's something which is uh, which is interesting. And you know, Trump tweeted about this uh I think today, and there, there's, you know, th- that's one thing which is uh, I think confusing to people that if they're doing so well, um, why why can't they help out? Maybe, but that's not that's not how it works, and it's kind of the, another issue with the, this model. And additionally, here the providers are also doing doing pretty well. So, I mean, the costs and fee schedules for what uh, what healthcare costs consumers and insurance companies, all that gets passed down to the consumer at the end of the day, and pretty much the American people are paying for this. The important thing to remember here is the Affordable Care Act basically tried to mimic free market um, systems in the way that it went about setting up the exchanges. So no insurance company is required to offer insurance in any of these uh, marketplaces. Uh, they only offer insurance if they if they think they can make a profit, um, and that's why you you see them in some cases leaving the market, saying we just don't think this is uh, profitable for us. There's nothing that prevents them from leaving, and that's because uh, the law doesn't require them to to be in the mar- in the marketplace. It just tries to set up free market mechanisms that make it worth their while. So insurance companies are still for profit uh, companies, most in most cases publicly owned. Um, with shareholders who you need to know that that company is going to perform well, which is why, in some cases, they leave the marketplaces. So would one way be able to – we were talking about the fixes before, uh, Ethan. You were saying that you could, make the, you could mandate that people get the health care or they pay a much stiffer penalty. It's tougher to mandate that the insurance companies offer it in these exchanges because, as Rick points out, these are publicly traded companies. This is a capitalist society. It's hard to mandate these companies do anything. Um, well, it's interesting. Instead of strong-arming uh, the insurance companies with a mandate, uh, the employers are the ones getting the mandate. There's employer mandates that you know, if you have a company over, I think, 50 employees, right. you have to offer health care to your, to your employees. And the mandate, of course, falls on the individuals. You need to have it. And if you do have it, uh, this, this mandate, you are going to be paying into the system that you know, kicks that money to people who need to be have money paid out of that system? It's it's just it's how the insurance works, and it's complicated. And a lot of people do not think it's fair because if they don't need insurance, and the government is making them have it. 
you know, at, that, how does that work for them? And, and they don't like that. The, 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 the mere nature of this discussion reveals how mind-bogglingly complicated the whole system is. And this is just this is just a small part of the U.S. healthcare system. I and mean, let's keep in mind, Obamacare covers uh, less than 10 percent of everybody who has um, who has health insurance that's not Medicare. In other words, of all working age adults. Uh, Obamacare only uh, covers about 20 million. We've got uh, something like 160 million covered in the uh, what's called the employer-sponsored insurance. They get they get uh, insurance through an employer. They have a whole other set of issues to deal with: rising costs, uh, especially for pre- prescription drugs, rising deductibles in many cases. All these things going up by more than inflation and by more than uh, people's paychecks every year. Uh, we're not even talking about that. We're this whole fight, which you know we've spent all this time and effort for the last uh, few months. Uh, only talking about a small segment of the U.S. healthcare industry. Nobody's even thinking about the problems everybody else has to deal with. And Rick, you say the answer to that, obviously, is to extend coverage to every American, otherwise known as universal health care. But you say that there is a presumption among conservatives that universal health care is the same as socialized medicine that is provided exclusively by the government. Right. So just let's just define some terms here. Uh, universal health care just means that everybody in the country has some kind of health coverage. They, they are able to get health care. Now, in our system, that is kind of synonymous with insurance. Um, you know, most other things you get insurance for, it doesn't work the way it does for health care. I mean, you don't have car insurance in order to pay for the regular maintenance of your car. You only have car insurance. I mean, insurance is supposed to uh, is supposed to cover um, something that's unlikely to happen, but has very large consequences if it does happen. That's what every other type of insurance does. Homeowners insurance. I mean, homeowners insurance doesn't cover your heating bills, but the way our healthcare insurance system has developed is completely different. We actually do expect the uh, health insurance companies that we pay money to to actually pay for our care to a large extent. So um, that, you know, that's one of the definitional issues here is insurance is sort of synonymous with coverage. And if you don't have insurance, we all know that um, health uh, medical care has just gotten so bloody expensive that if you don't have insurance, you basically you don't have coverage. So there's, that's one thing. Then let's talk about universal care. It just means everybody has health insurance or has health care coverage somehow. You can go to the doctor for a reasonable cost if you need to go to the doctor. That does not mean it has to be government provided. It doesn't mean it has to be provided in the private sector. It can be any either one of those. It can be a hybrid of both. When we get around to what people uh, call single payer, that does imply that the single payer, the only single payer there would ever be, would be the government. So um, uh, Medicare is a single payer system. When Bernie Sanders says he wants to see Medicare for all, he is calling for a single-payer, government-run healthcare system that covers everybody. That is different from universal health care, which could be where that care could be provided and the and the payments for it could be provided from any source. And what we really need to be talking about is it's just time to figure out how do we get universal health care in the United States, coverage for everybody. Have you ever come across a financial term you didn't understand? Yahoo Finance has you covered. Watch our new video series, Money Basics, to understand the essential steps you need to be in control of your money. You can stream Money Basics under the Personal Finance tab on our site, yahoofinance.com. Where is this being done successfully right now around the world? Well, there's a few different models for universal health coverage. One of them is you know, what Rick just said, single payer, which is you know, probably the most common system in the developed world. Uh, Europe has a lot of it. Canada has this. 
Um, but not all of Europe has it. Switzerland has something that's uh, similar to what we have here with Obamacare, um, with very, very tough mandates, and it, it works for them. Um, there's, there's different ways to do this and different ways to incorporate the private sector in there. Um, there are, you know, if our, our system is pretty convoluted, and there, there seems to be some, some benefits to cutting out a lot of the waste uh, that we see. I mean, we have incredibly high uh, per GDP expenditure in healthcare. It's highest in the world. It's I mean, it, we spend more than any, and this is on a per person basis. The United States spends more than any other country in the world on a per person basis by far. Um, and does not get better outcomes, and in some cases we get worse outcomes when you look at things such as life expectancy, uh, infant mortality, and things like that. It's Those measures are higher in other countries that spend a lot less per person on medical care. So something's really wrong with our health care system. What are the major headwinds to universal health care as you're describing it? Is it the lobbyists, the insurance company lobbyists, the providers in this country that don't want to see that I think the, the major headwinds are purely political, number one. Um, I think it's fair to say the Republican Party, uh, because the idea of a single-payer system gets commingled with the idea of universal health care, which, again, not necessarily the same thing, uh, you know, the Republican Party is clearly not going to abide a government-run, single-payer health care system. And honestly, we, we don't have to have that kind of system. Um, I, there's a, I think there are ways to um, look at what actually works in our health care system. And, um, you know, keep what works and then look at what doesn't work and figure out how to get how to get rid of that and replace it with something better. So, um, you know, we have a great provider networks uh, in the United States. Um, I think you could say and, and they're entirely in the private sector for the most part. Uh, I mean, Medicare, those doctors don't work for the government. Um, Medicare cover is, a, is insurance that allows you to get care in the private sector. Um, so that we should probably keep. I mean, you know, people you hear these horror stories of waiting months and months in the UK or in Canada for routine procedures. And it's really because those systems are run by the government and the um, doctors are employed by the government. Um, it, we don't have to have a system like that in the United States. So look at what's working in the private sector and um, keep it. Um, now, this is really complicated. So I went back and read an article that Milton Friedman, who is a noted conservative economist or was, uh, he has since died. He wrote in 2001 when uh, somebody asked him, how would you solve the problems we have in the U.S. healthcare system, which were essentially the same problems then that we have today. And his conclusion was, yep, this system is a mess. Um, probably the best thing you could do <clears throat> is have the government provide a basic level of insurance for everybody, call that catastrophic care. So that would be true insurance. It would not cover all your regular costs, but it would be a kind of insurance that if something dreadful happened, uh, you know, you'd hit some level and then the government would basically cover the cost of that. So families would not go bankrupt um, if somebody gets cancer or uh, there's an urgent health care need. So, I, you know, pick a number, but let's, let's say that kicked in at $10,000, maybe it'd be $5,000. Um, you would have to make your own arrangements for all your other routine care. Like annual checkups, yeah, things like that's that. that's right. So you could, do, you could do a number of different things. You could um, try to pay for it out of pocket as you go along, which young people might do. Um, you could go into the market and buy an insurance policy that um, c that covered that sort of thing. <clears throat> and if you coupled this with, um, if this would have to be very, very gradual, but if you coupled that with the phase out 
of the of employer sponsored health care, and the way you would do that is remove the tax um, deductibility of employer sponsored health care. So when we are covered by an employer, uh, that um, coverage has a value. Um, similar to income, but we're not taxed on it as if it were income. There is no tax on it to us, and it's tax, tax deductible to the employer. And that's the reason big, co- you know, many companies still offer um, healthcare coverage. If you phase that out and you sort of um, created an incentive for more or less everybody to actually just go and buy insurance in what you would now call the individual market. Um, you could, you know, you could incentivize that in other ways. You could, you could provide these things called health savings accounts, where people get some money in form of a tax credit, let's say, um, every year to help cover the cost of that. Um, if you did this right and you tr- tried to eliminate perverse incentives and not create any new perverse incentives, you know, the kind of thing that just encourages people to get health care they don't need, um, that really drives up costs, that sort of thing. Um, you could probably um, work this into a much better system than we have today. Importantly, much more efficient. Um, <clears throat> you would be you would have to put more of the burden for shopping for healthcare on the consumer, so that the consumer um, is really making decisions based on a cost efficient manner when possible. Um, you can't always do that. You can't do that when you have a heart attack, but you can do that when you need a podiatrist for a chronic problem, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would solve a lot of the problems right there if you could um, create more incentives for consumers to actually shop for healthcare the way they shop for mostly everything else. Now, in order to do that, you have to be able to know what the prices are in, in, in a clear way. You can't have a thousand prices that only a computer algorithm can figure out, which is what we have now. Um, you have to have clear pricing. You have to have <clears throat> something that allows you to assess the quality of different providers. Um, so that you know, this gives you an idea how complicated it is. But you know, the answer is not to say it's too hard. We just shouldn't try because we are dealing with all of the, these things now. I mean, we do, you know, kind of a makeshift job of assessing cost, with not very effectively. Everybody likes to know whether their doctor is a quality provider, um, <clears throat> but that's hard to know as well. We still do our best to figure that out. You know, think about what does Silicon Valley do? What does this new digital economy do? It actually it tries to solve problems like this, um, and we're getting better at think about everything that's innovative with big data. I mean, people are trying to do this right now, so there's a chance we could see some breakthroughs on this using big data to improve our decision making with regard to healthcare. Um, and could that big data also help the free market lower healthcare costs? You you would. Well, you'd like to wish so. I mean, if it could, if it could ever accomplish anything, that's what we need to accomplish. Um, and we're going to have we're going to have to address this sooner or later. By the way, because because of the federal programs, Medicare and Medicaid are just going to get so expensive at some point in the future with more and more people involved. If we cannot start lowering uh, the cost of health care on a you know per capita basis, uh, the whole country is going to go bankrupt. So we're going to have to address this one way or another. Um, you know, there's no bill in Congress at the moment that has a, you know, the Universal Health Care Act of 2017 that has any anything like a prayer. People have certainly talked about this for years. Um, but, you know, this is Senator this would be Kennedy, a great. I guess. Had go, yeah. Right. Right. Hillary Clinton. If you look Ted back Kennedy in, in the 1980s mm-hmm. was talking about this. Uh, you know, there was Hillary Care in the early 1990s, which was a flop. That was sort of a precursor to Obamacare, I guess. Again, Obamacare just addresses a small sliver of, of, of all these problems. Uh, and we can't even get that right. 
So, Ethan, it sounds like even if if Trump were to to take your advice and do those three fixes we talked about early in the podcast, which the no mandate, the no outreach and those cost sharing reduction payments, if he fixed all that, we still have a huge health care problem in this country. Immense problem. I mean, when it comes to the uh, the drug costs and just the rising costs for uh, essentially everything across the board in medicine, I mean, it's really hard to believe that anything politically would happen uh, until the healthcare expenditure hits 75% of GDP or something insane like that. Um, and so I, what I'm looking for is I'm looking towards uh, some of the private sector uh, to see what Silicon Valley can do. They've, they've shown that they can move quickly compared to Washington, which is, I mean, I guess anyone can move quickly <laughs> compared to Washington. But uh, to see All what, you have to do is stand in place right. and you're moving fast. I mean, <laughs> they're going right. backwards half the time. And, and I, th- I think there's, there's uh, so something's got to give eventually. Um, and I, I'm just, uh, you know, a bit pessimistic that it's going to take some disaster in terms of... Uh, Unbelievably, I mean, if we think healthcare costs are bad now, I think it's just going to get worse. I mean, you know, to not end on a com- complete note of doom, um, you know, again, there are things that actually work pretty well in the U.S. healthcare system. There are pockets of it that work pretty well. Uh, I mean, there are some HMOs that do a pretty good job of. Um, you know, if you're in one provider group that sort of takes care of everything, you know, if it's big enough that it has all those services, um, you might you might feel pretty satisfied with your um, with your coverage, especially if you're if you get a, re- a reasonably good deal through an employer. We can mimic uh, for people who feel they're getting good insurance through their employer. We can mimic that in a more e- efficient way through different types of tax breaks that let individuals do it do that for themselves. Um, and you know, keep in mind, no company. Uh, most companies are not in the business of administering health insurance and health care coverage. I mean, uh, we work for uh, Verizon, which is a telecommunications company. Um, it doesn't want to be in the business of providing this health care to people. That's a historical accident that go- dates back to World War II, which is the reason that half of all Americans get their um, health care coverage through an employer. That's actually a crazy system. You would never start from scratch. If you were starting from scratch, you would never, ever build a system like this. And even Warren Buffett has said this, you know, this burden of providing health care for everybody puts U.S. companies at a big disadvantage compared to um, companies from elsewhere that generally never have to deal with this kind of thing. So, uh, you know, but but within that, there are things that work out OK. And there are some people who pretty are pretty content with their coverage, even when they when they need to consume a lot of it. So go find areas where they are figuring out figuring out how to get costs under control, figuring out that, uh, how to help um, consumers make informed decisions, including what something's likely to cost, do a little bit of comparison shopping, find those places where it's working and try to figure out how can we expand that to more of the healthcare economy. Well, Rick Newman, Ethan Wolfman, thank you so much for a great conversation about health care and where do we go from here. We'll be talking about it for a long time. (laughs) Yeah, this is not going to be our last podcast on this topic, that's for sure. We want to thank all of you listening to this Yahoo Finance podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 